Welcome to the Tony Wolf Unhinged Podcast. This is your host, Tony Wolf, and this is the premiere episode. You never know what I'm going to be talking about, and you never know who I'm going to be talking to. So enjoy the ride, and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. First topic of today's show is going to be about the new Stars TV show, Heels. There are seven episodes into an eight-season run, and for anybody who's been in pro wrestling, is a pro wrestling fan, it kind of gives you an inside look at what some of these small, independent companies run and how they run all over the eastern seaboard. You have some of the same style, same stuff going on in other promotions all over the world. Stephen Amell and... The crew have knocked it out of the park. I mean, I've been in professional wrestling on and off for 24 years, and I have seen a lot of what they're talking about in the independence. People coming in and working as a manager or a referee and just wanting to build their character and change their what they do and how they do it and how women are treated in professional wrestling, especially back probably 15, 16 years ago, even up until here recently, till the women's resolution revolution happened. Get this mic stuff right here sooner or later. But talking about the drug problem and the, the guys having the, just getting into it because they want to be rock stars and have sex with everybody and the, the drugs and the alcohol and all of the problems and having the old timers who don't really understand when it's time to walk away and when it's time to use your knowledge that you have learned and help the young kids. Don't be a dick about it, but be there to help the kids learn. And with Stephen Amell as Jack of Spades, Alex Ludwig as Ace, and the whole crew, I mean, they have impressed me. The fact that they're actually learning how to wrestle and when you see most of them in there, they're actually doing the wrestling moves. They look like wrestlers. Even Diablo, he fits the big guy, super heavyweight type character. Then you have the muscle head, which is Apocalypse. Then you have the rival promotion, which is Dystopia. And the ups and downs of what professional wrestling can do to a family a lot of the pro wrestlers out there, if you didn't already know, we had to have regular jobs to pay for us to be able to do the wrestling. And it amazes me when people in that are fans who don't follow pro wrestling, <clears throat> who, excuse me, I forgot to do my turn, turn those off. Um, but it surprises me when you meet someone and they don't know about the wrestling business and they want to get into it, or you have a family member who only knows one side of it, but then once they get inside, and then they see all the problems that come about. And for a promoter, you can ask any promoter that's ever put on a show. You're always either writing scripts, promoting the shows, doing podcasts, Getting, getting your posters and tickets ready for the next week or the next month or the next show period, 
You're trying to better the company, have it to where you can actually start paying the guys relatively well to where they don't have to have a full-time or a what we would call a shoot job that the wrestling business is their job. So they have, in the first seven episodes, you have seen a lot about what goes on on an independent promotion. And the fact of the father committing suicide because of his depression, I've seen that happen too. I've seen people that they get hooked on the pills or just like here recently, we had a loss in the wrestling business of Daphne to suicide. And I can't even watch the video that she posted the day before she killed herself because I understand, I understand why some wrestlers, they get it in their head that they can't be anything else but a wrestler. And they're showing that in this series. And I can't wait to see the season finale next week. I can't wait to see how they come back with season two and season three. I All I've got to say is you're seeing it from every angle, from the women wrestlers to the family members to the male wrestlers to the kids of wrestlers to the neighbors of wrestlers. You're seeing all aspects of the wrestling business. And they didn't, they haven't said it, but Wild Bill is working for the big, or was working for the big promotion up north. Everybody knows who they're talking about with that. They're talking about the independence with this being Duffy, Georgia, and then being there another promotion that, which, that's dystopia, and they're using video footage from TNA Impact from back in the day, which is hilarious. So they're using combinations of real promotions. We're getting a lot of the indie talent that lives in that area that are getting to work and train these young, these young actors on what the wrestling business is all about. And they're really giving... Some people say they've been giving it a, the wrestling business a black eye. I think that they're, Vince opened up the books a long time ago to kayfabe. He says, this is a business. This is not wrestling. This is sports entertainment. Well, this is going back to what pro wrestling is all about, which is great storytelling, true good versus evil, having good people turn bad, bad people turn good, Everybody mistreating the minorities and the women wrestlers. And um, honestly, I can't imagine what that season finale is going to be. Let's see. I'm trying to remember what. I think it's called the double swap or double something for the end of season one, which tells me that there's going to be a major, a major plot twist either... Ace is going to win the title. They're going to throw somebody in there last minute that we don't see coming. And they're going to win the title. And it's going to be a minority. Or we're going to see a woman win their world, their heavyweight title. And then it's going to be, okay, now this woman has to defend the heavyweight title for their company. And how the wrestlers and the promoter and everybody has to deal with it around the wrestling business. So 
if you haven't seen it, I recommend getting stars or going on your local cable company and seeing if you can find it for free on uh, one of the cable access channels and watch it. If you love pro wrestling, you're going to get a real eye-awakening introduction to pro wrestling by watching this show. And remember, it's a dramatization. You're seeing different sides of the wrestling business, but you're also seeing the plot of building a story and making it to where it's just like any other drama or soap opera. They dramatize it to a point to make it more entertaining or make you feel for the characters. So on to topic two. Now on topic two, we're going to talk a little bit about my pro wrestling career as a referee. I started out as a fan eh, when I was six years old, I guess. And I started watching Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling from or from Georgia and from the North from the Carolinas. And then I got into WTBS when it came out and started watching the wrestling on there. Occasionally I would watch or come across uh, World Class from Texas. And those were my main influences when I first started watching wrestling as a kid. I thought, man, these characters, you had guys like Kabuki, Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant, Mr. Number One Paul Jones, um, the Sheep Herders, the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, then later on Anderson and Flair and the Four Horsemen and Sting and you had the Koloffs and number one George South and the Italian Stallion. You had a whole bunch of guys who came in to that territory that were amazing storytellers. Some of them didn't look like athletes. But you, they made you believe everything they said. Then the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Fruit of My Loins, if you will, came in and started doing his shtick. And I was just like, man, this stuff is amazing. And they had me hooked pretty much from the beginning. And then in, what was it, 83, I guess, 82, I moved to Florida. I found Florida Championship Wrestling. Mike Graham, superstar Billy Graham, um, Blackjack Mulligan, I mean, Kevin Sullivan, the Taskmaster, or that was before he was Taskmaster, that was when he was the evil Kevin Sullivan, and the Purple Haze, Mark Lewin, and that was, I think, the first time I was ever introduced to Abdullah the Butcher, and that was a whole different crew but they had that same Southern wrestling feel. And when I was in school, when I was in middle school, somebody asked me, he said, what do you want to do with your life? I said, I want to get into pro wrestling. Don't care if it's a ref. Don't care if it's a wrestler. Don't care if it's a manager. Don't care if I'm just setting up the goddamn ring. I don't care. I'm going to get into pro wrestling. Everybody laughed at me. Everybody said there's no way in hell. The older I got, the more I followed it. And then I started picking up small things here and there. And I, by the time I graduated high school, I guess, I knew that it was not what I thought it was as a kid, but it was still entertaining. They told good stories. They told, had great characters. 
And when somebody done something, especially like Kevin Sullivan or Purple Haze or Bob Roop or when Woman first came in, when they shaved her head, had her half bald, or not Woman, um, Luna Vachon, when they shaved her head where she was half bald and everybody looked at her like, who the hell is this crazy woman with the voice of a man and acting like a maniac. Well, they made you believe. And when you met these people out in public, if they were good guys, they were right there to sign you autographs. If they were bad guys, they'd tell you to go fuck off most of the time. So the wrestling business at that time was a very close-knit, very... they. They kept the outsiders out, and if you got inside, you were damn lucky. And I've been reading um, the Hustler Rip Rogers book, and I've been listening to podcasts and videos from Rip Rogers and from George South and from different people who grew up and who spent their time in that area and build a name for themselves being independent pro wrestlers. And they built a name through the NWA and whatever promotion they happened to be in at that time. So let's fast forward until 1995, 96, I guess it was. I had moved back to Ohio and had met a gentleman And that'll be as far as I refer to him. I won't state his name because I don't really like him much anymore. Me and him had a falling out. But if you know me, you know who the gentleman is, and we'll leave it at that. But I met this gentleman. He was working at a pizza shop, and they were running an outdoor wrestling show. And I sat there. Like I said, I had never been, I'd only been to one live event in my entire life when I was in West Virginia. And then when we went to Florida, I went to a couple live events down there. And so I was like, okay, I've seen these guys that are the TV guys. So let's see what these, what this promotion's like. So I'm sitting there in my car watching this thing. And some of the guys that were there were outstanding. Standing. Some of the guys that were there were like, how in God's name did they ever put these people in the wrestling ring? And over a period of time, I got to know them and I got to know the promoter and the promoter's family. And we became very close friends. And I told him I wanted to get into pro wrestling. I said, I don't know what I want to do, but I'm willing to train. I'm willing to work, and I'm willing to do what you need me to do. And so he had a show at a Holiday Inn, I think it was, and I ended up going up and working as his light guy. Had never been backstage at a wrestling show, had no idea what the hell I was doing. But I ran his lights. He was happy. I helped him set up, and I helped him tear down, and met a few people, and Everything went well. Fast forward to the following year, he had 
a show, an outdoor show, I think. And I went to it and I watched it. Now, understand, I may have times backwards on some of this stuff, but then it came to, they he had a ring rental somewhere and he needed a couple of guys to take the ring because he wasn't going to be able to make it. So he gave me instructions. I went. Other guy didn't show up. I got to where the ring was supposed to be. We car- I had football members help me carry it up three flights of stairs to the arena. We set it up. Everything went well. We tore it down. I brought it home and walked in the guy walked up to the guy's home, knocked on the door, said, "Here's the keys." Everything's back where it belongs. He's like, did you not have any problems? I said, no. I said, if there was a problem, I figured it out. And we went, I went on. So that was where my introduction to pro wrestling on the inside was. Then he decided he was going, him and his new partner were going to put on a show in Marietta, Ohio at a fairgrounds. I thought, okay, that's fine. So we went up the day before we set the ring up me and one other person, I believe it was, or let me think, I don't remember if it was just me and someone else, or if it was just me, but we got the ring set up. Everything went fine. There was one, one day that I had to set the entire ring up by myself and I didn't think nothing about it. I just did it. And by the time the promoter had showed up and the wrestler started showing up, ring was three quarters done they said where's the other people that's supposed to been here to help set up i'm like they never showed so i earned respect real quick from these guys that i could troubleshoot i could figure out problems i could think on my feet and get stuff done and i didn't need somebody standing there over my shoulder telling me do this do that do this do that i had enough common sense to go well we got the ring set up he said just leave everything where it is we'll be back tomorrow for the show and before i got ready to leave he said you ever thought you want a referee i said sure he said bring a pair of black pants black shoes and a powder blue shirt with a a bow tie i'm like okay so i went and got all the stuff i had all of it but the tie and i went and found the tie real quick and that was my first time refereeing. I worked with King Kong Bundy. I worked with the Iron Sheik. I worked with Tarantula, which was a big biker from Pennsylvania, and several other names. And that started my pro wrestling career as a referee and then slowly over the next few years or the next year, I guess I was doing, he would take his, his, uh, boxing ring out and we would do fair shows doing other stuff with the ring. And he had another business that we would do at fair shows and we were doing different things. And I was learning pro wrestling training in the mornings 
when we would get to the show after we would get the ring set up before the carnivals would set up and then when the show when the carnivals were done for the week we would tear everything down and go on to the next town so that was kind of how i got my start in professional wrestling i learned wrestling moves i learned how to roll which i already knew from my martial arts days of when i was a kid i knew how to take a hip i learned how to take a hip toss how to take a body slam how to do an arm drag but i also found out that there were things in professional wrestling that with his ring being as stiff as it was my body wasn't going to hold up to it because i was already in my early 30s at this point and i was trying to learn a whole new profession that i had never done before i hadn't done this kind of stuff since i was like 16. so needless to say first time i had to take take a back bump and anybody who watches pro wrestling knows what a back bump is i found out real quick that was not going to be that was going to be my downfall was I was not going to be good at doing that because I am such a big guy. Even at that point, I was 215 pounds and I couldn't get my pelvis down up high enough to do what I needed to do. So that's why I became a referee. And I can honestly say over the 10 years that I was a part of the National Wrestling Alliance and the NWA, as a referee and over the 16 years on and off that I was in the ring, refereeing, wrestling, managing, I learned a lot on the job training. And over the last few years, I've been helping mentor a young, some young wrestlers. I've trained referees with what knowledge I got from Fred Rubenstein and from David Powers and different wrestlers and referees and managers that I have met, they gave me advice. I found positive advice. I found negative advice, but I learned. I also used a lot of what I saw on TV from Nick Patrick, Tommy Young, um, trying to think what the guy's name is bronco lubich different ones i mean there are so many referees that were out there the hebners when they were refereeing for the nwa i mean i picked up a lot of positive and a lot of negative things that i really didn't understand at the time and over the years i ended up picking it up and understanding more and more and more and it became second nature. And honestly, I learned a lot from just being in there with the wrestlers. Doink the Clown, T.C. Reynolds, Lord Zoltan, those guys, those two right there, I got to a point where I could referee their match in my sleep. I knew what to expect, how to expect it, where it was coming from, and if somebody screwed up, what to do when I would work the super heavyweights like Tarantula, King Kong Bundy, Giant Warrior. Um, I knew 
to do certain things. And even when I started working a lot of the names, Abyss, Jeff Jarrett, Jimmy Snuka, um, Demolition Axe, Bill Eady, Gilberg. I mean, I can't even remember all of the names that I have worked with. And each one of them taught me something. Jimmy Snuka taught me stuff, not in him saying it, but I learned where to be, what to be, and how to be by watching what the wrestlers were doing. I knew to be in my spots when I needed to be. If I was going to take a ref bump, I had to know when I was going to take it so that mentally, physically, and everything, that I would be ready. And in the pro wrestling business, you have to have good basics. And that's the one thing that I have come to realize. When I got started, I didn't have great basics. I had decent basics. And over a period of years of learning the psychology behind stuff, learning the physical side of it, learning just the ins and outs of what the wrestling business taught me and the stuff that I have gotten here recently, I'm retired from in-ring, but I'm still mentoring. And reading the Hustler Rip Rogers book has given me so many things that I wish I would have had 15 years ago, 16 years ago, when I first when I was going strong, if I would have known some of this stuff back then, then I would have made it farther. You know, understand, excuse my burp, understand, I spent 24 years between wrestling, refereeing, managing, working backstage, doing production for just the the videos that you'll see on my Tony Wolf Remembers podcast or Tony Wolf Remembers uh, YouTube show. I didn't know how to film any of that stuff. I was just do- bought a camera and started filming. So I just jumped in and done it. If I would have had somebody there showing me the positives and negatives of how to do it and what equipment I needed to be using instead of just buying whatever piece of crap that I could afford, my video would have been better. That's the reason as I started getting out of wrestling on a full-time ref basis, I decided to go to college and I was going to learn graphic design. I was going to learn other parts of it, stuff that people weren't there to teach me when I was doing the wrestling, where now with the performance center and you've got AEW and you've got ring of honor and you've got MLW and you've got all these other promotions, you've got Dave Marquez running championship wrestling from Hollywood with all of his subsidiaries. Now he is a production guy. He knows how to work the camera, how to record the shows, how to produce direct and tell the camera operators what he wants. And I have picked up a lot from him. So as an older guy, I try to pass that on to the younger talent. Look like a wrestler. Talk like a wrestler. 
work like a wrestler, use psychology inside the ring and outside the ring. If you have problems where you have an anxiety about being in front of people, learn how to use that anxiety as a negative and turn that sucker into a positive. Because as a good, to be a good wrestler, to be a great superstar, you need to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And I've rambled on about my wrestling career long enough. And uh, right after these messages, I'll be back with topic three for Tony Wolf Unhinged podcast. See you after a bit. Welcome back to the Tony Wolf Unhinged podcast. This is topic number three for today's show. And as you can see, I've been talking about pro wrestling for the whole episode. And this is going to be short and sweet. You have to have positive influences in your life to become a better person, to become a better whatever. If you want to be a father, mother, if you're a child, you want to be make yourself better, you got to have positive influences in your life. If you have issues to where you're dealing with, oh, I don't feel so good. I want to just don't want to be here anymore. I want to commit. So that's depression. That's anxiety. That's bipolar. Get help. If you start feeling suicidal or you start feeling as if you're not worthy to be on this planet or you're not good enough to be in whatever profession you want to be in and you have a love of it, talk to somebody. Talk to your doctor. Talk to your family members. If your family members don't want to help you, screw it. Find somebody who will. But understand, you got to if you're going to go to someone, make sure that they the advice they give you is not, oh, just go kill yourself. That's the worst advice I've ever heard from somebody. Was I don't give a shit what you say. Just get out of my face and go kill yourself. That's not the way you want to be. Life is cause and effect. Everybody has goes through cause and effect in their life. If you steal money from your mom's purse and she finds out about it, the cause was you stole the money because you wanted it. The effect is you got punished and you had to pay the money back or you got your butt whooped. And I grew up in a time and a space where corporal punishment <laughs> was the norm. I had a school bus driver when I was a kid that had her name drilled into a paddle and she left it laying on the front of her bus and beginning of every school year, the parents had walked their kids to the school bus. They saw that laying there. She would go, they get out of hand. I've got this. And 99.99% of the parents said, bust their ass if they get out of hand. So we can't do that in today's society because all those kids that got their asses busted was like, oh, that's brutality. That's this. That's that. No, that's teaching respect. But there's a difference between teaching respect and teaching fear. And if you can talk to somebody, talk to somebody. If you need help, 
find a doctor, find someone that you can talk to that will make things feel better and get stuff off your mind. Trust me, I deal with depression and anxiety every day of my life until about four years ago. I was dealing with it to a point where I had what they refer to as an explosive personality. So I would be like, best uh, version I can say is like Jekyll and Hyde. Everybody liked Jekyll, but you never wanted to see Hyde come out. And that's how I explained my issues and my dealing with stuff. So take it from someone who has dealt with it. Take it from someone who has lost friends in pro wrestling because of they felt that the drugs and the alcohol and stuff were more important than getting help. They would self-medicate instead of going to a doctor and finding out what the cause is and not just curing it themselves. So that's a short topic for this week. And in wrap up, I hope you all enjoying the show. Hope everything's well. Hope that you come back next episode. And like I told you in the opener, you never know when or who is going to be on the Tony Wolf Unhinged podcast. And you just never know. I might pull out an interview. I've got somebody that I've already talked to. And all we've got to do is take time in his busy schedule to sit down and record a interview. And that will be an upcoming episode of the Tony Wolf Unhinged podcast. Remember, go to YouTube, look up Tony Wolf vlog and watch the Tony Wolf remembers classic tri-state wrestling on YouTube. Some good old matches. Unfortunately, it's all old VHS and has been went from VHS to DVD to digital, and it didn't clean up very well. But hope you all enjoyed the show, and as soon as I get out of here, we got a commercial, and then I'll see you next time here on Tony Wolf Unhinged. And God, everybody knows I'm unhinged. Bye.